This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. What is it that makes a person exceptional? We have a lot of folks on this planet who are notable, for good or for bad, but what makes a person exceptional? Well, we would say that they're unusual or stand out in some useful ability, right? An ability to perform, to think, to help. There are many things that I love about my Bible, but one thing in particular is that it defines what is exceptional, remarkable in God's estimation. And I probably don't need to remind us, but I will, that in the end, it's God's opinion that's going to matter. You may be liked or disliked here, be known, not be known, but in the end, what is known of you and me by God that's what matters. Now, the, the reality is, don't we spend more time thinking about others' estimation of us than perhaps we think about God's estimation of us? A natural tendency. But I want to look at a man tonight who was exceptional in God's eyes because of what God said about him. Now, this man... Failed, big time failed. This man struggled. Uh, I can relate to this man because of his struggles. But in the end, the record of scripture about this man is significant. His most common description, going from Deuteronomy, where this is first mentioned about him, all the way through the book of Revelation. Revelation mentions him one time. 21 times throughout Scripture, he is referred to as the servant of the Lord or the servant of God. What a testimony. What do you want to be known for? Wouldn't it be great just to be able to stand before God and have him say, you are a faithful servant of mine. Well done, good and faithful servant. But that's what the Lord said of this man. Numbers 12 and verse 3 says that he was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's a testimony. Amen. The meekest man, and some of you already are thinking about who this is. And then, when we get to Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, he is listed with that other group of imperfect people, though, who had great Faith. And of course, the man we're talking about is Moses. And I'd like you to turn to Hebrews 11 tonight, please. Hebrews 11. And as we prepare for the table of the Lord, there's something else that's exceptional about this man. And we could skip over it as we're reading the Pentateuch and, and what we learn about Moses there. 
But it is brought out and put up there where all of us can see it when we get to Hebrews chapter 11. And we learn about this man's life. And so the message tonight will conclude with this particular aspect, but the way the writer of Hebrews opens our minds to Moses, we're going to take it the way the scripture does because there is a building effect, a climactic effect in the way he's presented uh, by the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, and would you look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. So really verse 23 is talking about the faith of his parents. We're going to say more about that in a little bit. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God and to enjoy, or than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And so when we study his life and how he's presented Hebrew in Hebrews chapter 11, I think there's a greater question. This exceptional man, what motivated Moses to do what he did? The writer of Hebrews, and as we look at other texts, reveals something to us about Moses that I think also would apply to other Old Testament saints. And it will be a challenge to us as we, as we proceed now through this text. What motivated Moses? Look again at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. You know what motivated Moses? Messiah. Messiah did. The danger as we read this is to think the writer of Hebrews is assigning meaning to Moses, though it wasn't really something that Moses would have understood. Don't fall into that trap. The Holy Spirit has the writer of Hebrews, Pastor Coles and I would agree that that's the Apostle Paul. You can disagree. Amen. All right. But the Holy Spirit has the writer here Show us that what motivated Moses to do all that he did was in fact Messiah and God's plan through Messiah. Have you ever stopped to consider that? And I would suggest to you tonight that that motivated Moses all through his life, including what motivated him to kill that Egyptian and then to flee to the wilderness, it was the, the motivation was Messiah. So we need to see it was the very promise about Messiah that caused Moses to make the most significant decision of his life. Moses chose to be involved in God's promise of salvation through Messiah. And this caused him to do the will of God in leading the Hebrews out of Egypt 
rather than Moses choosing to stay in Egypt for temporal power and pleasure. Now, what we do know in history bears witness to this. Moses was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter, as it is there in the Hebrew, is a reference to the fact, really, this was Amenhotep. She was Pharaoh's sister. And as sister, she could do pretty much what she wanted. If she wanted to pull a Hebrew baby out of the Nile and keep Hebrew baby, she got to do that. She was a powerful woman in Egypt. And she takes out this beautiful Hebrew baby. And she begins to groom him to be the next Pharaoh. And Moses walked away from it. By the way, Moses wasn't his Hebrew name. It's an Egyptian name. So Moses' life was motivated by Messiah, and that is a challenge to us, especially in light of what Moses knew and what you and I get to know as we have the completed canon of Scripture. So the title of the message tonight, Motivated by the Messiah. This motivation began... With, the attentive, his, with attentiveness, I should say, to the will of God. It was first the attentiveness of his parents, and then it was his own attentiveness. Let's look at the, his, the attentiveness uh, to God's purposes by his parents. Verse 23, again, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of or by his parents. Amram, Jochebed, were people of faith. And they were clued in to the plan of God, which involved Messiah. Stay tuned. Because they saw that he was a proper child, he was beautiful, exceeding fair, as Acts 7 and verse 20 says, having great promise as a child. They just had a sense from the Lord, there is something unique about this child, and God is going to use him. And as a result of that, God's working in their hearts what they saw, and they were not afraid then of the king's commandment to toss the baby, the male child, into the Nile River. They weren't going to do it. Now Amram and Jochebed were very aware of the promises made to Abraham and the patriarchs, and perhaps they were even more aware because they were of the house of Levi, Exodus 2 and verse 1. They were aware of what God had promised to Abraham. Through you, Abraham and covenant, all nations of the earth would be what? Blessed. That pointed specifically to Messiah. And so giving in to Pharaoh's demand was not only unnatural, what mother would do that? It was not only a natural, but it also would have prevented the promise to Abraham from being realized. And they were committed that was not going to happen. Now, all of you mom that have had these little toddlers that crawl around and make noise, imagine hiding that little one in your home from uh, Pharaoh's soldiers, or whoever's uh, monitoring those neighborhoods, no doubt specifically looking for Hebrew babies. 
Male babies. No doubt by faith, then, as Moses got older, you'll remember the story, he's put in a, a basket uh, that is made waterproof so it floats, uh, put out in the river, and his sister was given charge to watch what happened. Again, we have to put ourselves there. There are critters floating around in the Nile River that eat other things that float, if you know what I mean. And, and to put your baby out there and then, okay, well, it's okay because big sister is watching. Wow. And, being facetious, I, I, I read one Bible scholar that said that, and at just the right time, an angel pinched baby Moses. And he starts squawking. Just at the time that Pharaoh's daughter comes down uh, to bathe. She sends in a servant, pulls this baby out, and she is drawn to Moses just like Moses' mother was. Now she wants to be mother. And you know the miracle. Miriam runs up and says, uh, I can get you a nurse for that baby. Now moms, this is the best deal in all the Bible. Have a baby and have somebody pay you to take care of that baby. And so Pharaoh's daughter says, okay. She runs, gets mom, and mom is able not only to care for Moses, but listen, to influence Moses. And even as Moses is getting older, he can still go home. He can still have the influence. And so I believe by faith they taught Moses about Messiah. Though most of the time, he was being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. So again, what we see is attentiveness by parents to the purposes of God. Young people, children, if your parents have the wisdom and love the Lord enough to constantly draw you to the fact that God created you to have a relationship with Him, and that relationship is through faith in Messiah, Jesus Christ, and He wants to save you, wash your sin away, and then use you to help proclaim the message of His saving grace to the world. If they're attentive to that, you need to thank the Lord. I don't think I'm overstating this. This is exactly what was happening in Moses' home. And as we close the message, I'll show you scripture to prove it. Moses understood what was happening. Now with that said, Moses continued to mature. He also became more attentive to God's purposes. Look at verse 24. By faith Moses, when he had come to years, the expression there, he had grown to manhood. And by the way, that, that was up to 40 years old before he had to flee Egypt. But here's a man who has a greater understanding now of the plan of Messiah. He's got discernment. Say, so why was he out there checking on the Hebrews the day that he sees a Hebrew or a, a, an Egyptian taskmaster beating a fellow Hebrew? What was he doing out there? Well, as I studied for this message, I believe with conviction, Moses understood the plan of God. 
I believe, and we'll see this in a moment, Moses believed that his rescue from the river, the fact that he is in Pharaoh's court being trained to be the next Pharaoh, this was all of God, and somehow this was God's plan for him to help the Hebrews leave Egypt so that they could go to the place, the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so that they could be established there, and so through them Messiah could come. I believe that Moses believed and understood he had a part somehow in that plan. And so by faith, when he had come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now again, I love this scripture. We have these accounts of Moses. We have the account in Hebrews 11. But do you know that one of the other dramatic accounts that we have of Moses' life is over in Acts chapter 7. I want to ask you to turn there. Our teacher in Acts 7 will be a deacon. You know his name, Stephen. He's hauled in front of the same Sanhedrin that had crucified the Lord, and he preaches a message. Now, we saw the message a couple weeks ago that Peter preached. Thousands were saved. Stephen preaches. And it doesn't turn out the same way. You know, conviction can help you get right or it can make you mad. In this case, it made him mad. And they kill Stephen. But in part of his message to these Jewish leaders, he talks about Moses. His understanding of Moses, again, through inspiration, through what God had taught him, and then, of course, uh, what is recorded for us in the Scripture, he's a spirit-controlled preacher. What he tells us about Moses is very, very interesting and helpful. Acts 7, notice please verse 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty, this is interesting, in words and in deeds. Now wait a minute. This is the Moses that complained to God, I can't talk. Not true. He was mighty in words. There was a time when Moses was full of himself that he was mighty. He could stand up and he could proclaim in the court of Pharaoh. By the way, he was mighty in deeds too. You know, they didn't, they didn't look for uh, the crowd that couldn't find a job anywhere else to be Egyptian taskmasters. I think these guys spent a lot of time in the gym, if you know what I mean. They're going to keep these Hebrews motivated to build great cities for the pharaohs. Moses goes out one day and he sees one of these guys beating a Hebrew, I'd say mighty indeed, when he looks this way and then he looks this way, and with his hands he finishes off the Egyptian. But it wasn't God's plan. Words and deeds. And when he was full, uh, full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, this is pre-wilderness. God put in his heart, I'm going to go check on my brethren. 
Keep in mind, Moses has got in the back of his mind God's redemptive plan through Messiah. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. There you go. Now, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would, what? Deliver them. But they understood not. Moses is in tune with the plan of God. And so he's out there checking on them because somehow God has a plan for me to help deliver these people so the ultimate plan for Messiah can come to pass. So Moses understood for the plan of God to be fulfilled, Israel would have to leave Egypt and he could see how God was preparing him for the task. The word visit in Acts 7.23 has the idea of searching out for one's self. This Greek word translated into Latin, when we look at those Latin texts, is the word where we get our word video. It's interesting, right? You sit and you watch a video. You meditate on that. You take it all in. Same idea. Moses probably spent significant time looking into how his people, the Jewish nation, were doing. What he didn't understand was that deliverance wasn't going to happen according to Moses' plan, but according to God's plan. Now, not only was Moses attentive to the purposes of God, Again, as he was helped by his parents, but he was also submissive to the preparation of God. If those people are going to be delivered from bondage, it's not going to be Moses' strength. Not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God was going to have to be able to work through Moses, not watch Moses do the work. And submission, so submission to the preparation of God. Now let me just review quickly and then we'll be done tonight. Moses would need some things. Number one, he would need to learn who God was. Now he had heard the stories about God. No doubt he knew about Joseph. He knew how God had led and, and taken care of the patriarchs and had led his, his people into Egypt, how they had been cared for there. And Moses knew those things. He knew about his God, but he didn't know his God. So if you're going to be a part of Messiah's plan, you just can't know about the plan. You have to know Messiah. Got to know God. Personally through salvation and then walking with the Lord. And so how did God teach Moses about himself? First of all, he allows him to escape. Pharaoh finds out Moses has slain an Egyptian taskmaster, and now he's, he's public enemy number one, and probably the whole Egyptian army is out looking for him. He escapes. He escapes to the wilderness. And you'll remember that God takes care of him there. But one day, as he's a shepherd taking care of sheep, he sees a bush, and it's burning. But what's unique about that bush? It's not burning up. And Moses says, okay, I'm going to take a look at this. 
Wow, I didn't know that they had bushes that didn't burn up. And when he gets over there, he meets God. God speaks to him, they have a conversation, and it's at that time that God calls him. Now, there are some other things that are going to happen in Moses' life. We don't have time to detail all that tonight. But in all of that, God is showing Moses who he is and saying, Moses, you don't do it Moses' way, you do it my way. Number two, as he's out there, he learns humility. What was his occupation? He goes from being trained to be Pharaoh to what? What's he doing out there? He's a shepherd. Do you remember what the Egyptians thought of shepherds? They abhorred them. So of all the things, by the way, remember when Moses gets out there in the wilderness, everybody thinks he's an Egyptian. Just like Joseph, he looks like an Egyptian. But God has this Egyptian do what? Shepherd. Okay. Oh, I, you know, let me do so. I, but if you're going to shepherd God's people, you've got to learn to shepherd. But at the same time, the Lord is humbling him. He's taking this man who was full of himself, proud, raised in the court of Pharaoh. And God's going to humiliate him and teach him so that humbly he would submit to the Lord to be able to lead a proud and stubborn people. If Moses was still Moses, remember what the children of Israel were? There'd be murder in the camp. But Moses, how does he respond to all that complaining and griping and all that went on? He just humbly takes it to the Lord. A mighty man, a warrior, who led Israel in battle, but he's a different Moses. And then thirdly, he had to learn how to live in a wilderness with all those people. Have you ever thought about that? You don't learn wilderness living in the court of Pharaoh. Where's he going to learn that? How is he going to spend all that time living in tents, living out there in those rugged conditions? Well, God prepared him for that. By the way, how long was he out there? Anybody know? Forty more years. And all during that time, he is becoming more and more aware of his God. I think he's learning more about the plan of God involving Messiah. So Moses had already been attentive to the purposes of God, but after failure, again, he committed murder, and humble training by God, he was now prepared to play his role in those purposes. Now, can I just pause here? and say, this shouldn't surprise us about Moses. This shouldn't really surprise us about other people in Scripture. At any time in history, those who knew God, really knew God, were locked in to the plan of God. They may have been limited in what they understood about the overall plan, but they did understand the plan. I'll give you a quick example. Think about Enoch. Just a couple generations removed from Adam, 
But when we get to the end of our New Testament, Jude tells us that Enoch prophesied the second coming of Jesus. Wow. Balaam knew some things about the coming of Messiah. The prophets certainly knew, and they spoke about it, though there were things they didn't understand that they desired to look into. But it was all about this great plan that God would send a deliverer to redeem and save people from sin. And so what was this motivation? Look at Hebrews 11.26. If you'll go back, they're esteeming the reproach of, or for, Christ, the word Messiah. Wasn't something made up about Moses. This is what Moses understood. The Holy Spirit said so. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In other words, he was looking to the reward that Messiah's coming would bring. He was excited about Messiah's deliverance, the work he would do, and the reward that came with that. Hence, he boldly stood before Pharaoh, who could have killed him. But notice verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now this is after Passover, the first Passover. This is Moses and the children of Israel fleeing Egypt. But he withstood the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is what? Invisible. Again, a reference to Messiah in that plan. He also willingly directed Israel through the first Passover. Verse 28, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them, the Israelites. Now again, all that Moses understood about Messiah, I don't know that he knew as much as you and I know. But he did understand Messiah was coming. And Passover, I think, helped convince him of even more of the truth. A blood sacrifice was needed for there to be deliverance. Moses got it. And as they fled Egypt that night, the children of Israel now being driven out, delivered from bondage, the, the, the Egyptians opening their treasure boxes and saying, here, take this and go. They spoil the Egyptians. And as Moses watched all this and as they leave Egypt, what's in the back of his mind? The work of Messiah. Now you might be thinking, did Moses really believe all this about the Christ, the anointed one, Israel's deliverer? I want to close tonight. Go back to Moses' writings. Go to Deuteronomy. Would you look at chapter 18? Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 18. Notice, please, verse 15. Moses is speaking to the nation. Here's what he said. The Lord thy God 
will raise unto thee a prophet. Now in my Bible, and probably in yours, correctly, that word prophet is capitalized. Not just a prophet, the prophet. Amen. From the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Oh, I love that. Listen to him. Behold him. Listen to him. God could reveal his plans for the Messiah to Moses just as easily as he did to David, Isaiah, and the other writers of Scripture. And I would submit to you tonight, and he did that. He did reveal that to Moses. Now Moses is a picture of Christ for these reasons. First, he was attentive to the revealed plan of God. Now without sin, Jesus was committed to the plan. He says, I am always about doing my Father's will. Moses, not so much. He knew the plan and he was going to help God with that plan, if you know what I mean. All right? So, but he was attentive to the will of God. Second, he was willing to leave a kingly court to deliver people in bondage. Right? Think what he walked away from. And then third, he was willing to suffer shame and reproach as he carried out that calling. Going back to how we started the message tonight, the reality is... God considered, I believe, Moses to be an exceptional man because of what Moses was willing to do in yielding to God in the plan. Did the children of Israel like Moses? Careful how you answer that. There was an older generation that thought, he's good for nothing. The younger generation had to be convinced he was God's man as they wandered in the wilderness and watched their parents all die. And yes, they mourned for Moses when he was gone. But you and I know that he suffered shame and reproach through most of his ministry to the people of Israel. Just like our Lord. Now all that we do must be motivated by Messiah. That was kind of the theme this morning too. What, in your mind, what do you think about Jesus? And are you willing to submit your mind to what you should think about Jesus? Are you attentive to God's redemptive plan? Are you willing to let God work on you and through you to help deliver those who are in bondage to sin? God saves you to be a part of Messiah's redemptive plan. Young, old, that's why we're here. That's why we get to be here. It's a joy. There's joy in serving Jesus. I get to be part of the most important thing happening on earth right now. So do you. And it's not a religion. It's a plan that the eternal God had in mind before he ever created this earth. And that plan is right on schedule, and here we are tonight. 
and we get to tell others about the Lord. And oh, by the way, be motivated by Messiah because you're going to look in his eyes sometime very soon. And he wants to look back and in a smile say, well done. And by his grace, each of us can hear that. He's not looking for perfect servants. Uh, no. Paul, David, Moses, perfect? It's not the point. But when we are aware of that plan and committed to that plan and we yield ourselves to him, in spite of failure, he can work through us to glorify himself and to fulfill his will. So be motivated by Messiah. And I think we have sufficient tonight just looking at this truth to go to the table of the Lord and to say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be your special possession. And thank you that I get to be your servant in this amazing plan. But it happened because Jesus became a man and shed his blood and gave his body over to thugs and suffered and died to deliver us. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.